Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. Welcome back to His Light and Life. Today we're going to continue on our talk, and we were talking about, we kind of left off, um, I've been, I, honestly, I've been trying very hard to get to you know, walking in the kingdom. And you've heard me say that walking in the kingdom is an agreement. It's an acceptance. It's to cooperate with the kingdom. But what is that kingdom? And how do I walk and cooperate with it? You would think, you know, if you're, you got born again, you're saved, you're a believer. I imagine everyone who's listening to me is already saved. I can't, I can't imagine God is, God has used me. Uh, obviously he's used me in, in evangelism. Um, and I've, I love sharing the gospel and I share the gospel with every, every chance I have. I share the gospel. It's what I love doing it. But the Lord has not led me. I, I believe in doing the work of an evangelist. We should all be sharing the gospel. If you found something amazing, something that is absolutely transformative, if there's an opportunity and that opportunity presents itself, you share the gospel. And I do that. But that's not how God is. So he's used me in speaking to believers. So um, I, Im- I imagine that most of the people who would listen, who've listened this far anyway, are already believers and, and that's awesome. And then there's the encouraging and the equipping and the tools that you need to move forward to live in an overcoming life. And, uh, if you, if you'll hear me say again and again, this simple truth that living the overcoming life should be your primary purpose in this life. As a citizen of heaven, as an ambassador of God, the gifts, the callings, and all the things that God has used you or given you, gifted you with, and has in store for you, the part that you play, the role of your ministry, and everyone has a ministry. And those ministries are wide and those ministries are varied. Your ministry could be to the nations and your ministry could be to your family. Your ministry could be the place that you work. I've met someone like that. It's incredible. God just sort of uses them and they're a, they are a, um, uh, they're a solid, they have a solidifying effect at the place that they work. So when I say ministry, I'm, I'm using the word in the broadest sense, but God has used me in helping Christians live the overcoming life, living the overcoming life. Um, and he taught me with my children, raising, raising my children. Um, I have several children and I've taught them how to live the overcoming life. And it was incredibly rewarding to me because I was able to see it work. <laughs> right. I mean, it's one thing to, it's one thing to, you know, to engage in some practices or so learn some truths and follow a certain method, if you will, I hate to call it that, but it's, you know, there's a certain ingredient, certain things that are in play that have to be understood. It's one thing to work through those for years and years and then come to a place 
where you, you truly are resting in Christ and resting in his finished work. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to raise your children and see them do it. That's incredibly rewarding. And it's also incredibly validating. My confidence, um, not that it needed it in this area, because as I looked deeper and deeper, you can't find anything other than this. Um, but without getting off on a, on a, on a, on a tangent here, I just want to say that it was, it has been very rewarding to me to see that and to see them coming along, but it is the goal. It is the, it is the, it is the priority. we shared last time, the, the simple analogy of a three-legged race. And it's a great analogy that if you ever seen two people struggling along or two people that are walking in unison, the difference is profound. And I'm not equating the overcoming life. I want to make this distinction. I don't even know if I have made it yet and I need to make it. And it's something that needs to be understood is I'm not equating the salvation of the elect in God with the overcoming life. The overwhelming majority of Christians never enter into the overcoming life. The overcoming majority. Very few enter the kingdom. I like the verse of scripture. I heard a great teacher share on it, teach on it years ago, and it, it stuck with me because then it's been 20 years and it's been proven truer and truer. Every generation has a little flock that inherits the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a little flock that inherits salvation because salvation is not the salvation is a part of the kingdom message, but it is not the kingdom. Okay. The kingdom of God existed for eons of eternity before there was an earth. Okay. When Jesus came and taught about taught us about the kingdom, well, first, when he progressively, through the word of God, you see the progression of the development of the understanding on the human side of the kingdom of God. You have to understand something, that that kingdom had been established before the found, forever. I mean, it was always the will of God. It, it is the presence of God. It is the habitation of God. It is the abode of God. He's not the kingdom. He's not the king of kingdom. He is the kingdom he's the king of. It is a reality of the of the trinity of God, the deity that has been in position for all eternity. You're being brought into something that has always existed. Jesus didn't come to build a kingdom. Jesus came to reveal the kingdom and to reveal the proclamations ahead of time of how the kingdom works so that those who were the heirs of salvation and would be called into the kingdom could walk in unity with it before they died. What would be the point? What would be the point of God doing everything that he did and then we're going to begin our journey, begin our process, begin our development in understanding of him and his ways when we died. No, this earth is where we learn the entrance of the kingdom of God, the teachings of the kingdom of God. There's no resistance to the kingdom of God when you get to heaven. We can, we can give the Lord more glory here. Let me explain what I mean by that before I get into the mechanics of it. 
once you there's no there's no law of sin and death in heaven there's no devil in heaven and there's no mind will and emotions or presence of the first adam whatsoever the people who are in heaven have no opposition to their obedience to god they have no opposition to the faith of god they have no opposition to themselves whatsoever now honestly i you know and i'm going to use this in the in the most uh basic preliminary way that I can say it. There's not a lot to that. There's not a lot to that. It's like if you ever pictured somebody in hydrotherapy, hydrotherapy, they've broken a hip, they fractured their pelvis. My goodness, let's say that. That is absolutely excruciating pain. So when they're, when they're, so they're in that situation laying on a bed, and they have a broken pelvis. And let's just imagine they're lifted off, off that bed and they're, and they're put into water. That's called hydrotherapy. And they begin to rebuild there in, 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 they're in water. The buoyancy of the water, the floating of the water, the support of the water, all of those things, lack of pressure in specific areas like you would be on a bed. All of those things alleviate the pain tremendously. The children of God that are in heaven today are like, that's like the hydrotherapy. There's no, there's no pull. There's no pain. There's no resistance. There's no tears. There's no needs. There's no sorrow. There's no mention of earth. This is a verse of scripture. I wish I had it at my fingertips. I, I encourage you to look it up, but it says in eternity, God will not even allow the memory of this time to be spoken of. You won't remember what you did, what you were, all of those things. They won't even be in your consciousness whatsoever. And they're not in the consciousness of the people that are in heaven now. They're not. You're not married when you get there. <laughs> you know, that was one of the the questions the Sadducees asked about the gentleman who had been, or the woman who had been married seven times. When she gets to heaven, whose husband, whose wife will she be? She said, you neither, you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. For they will be like angels. They will be like angels. They won't be male and female. They won't marry. Well, in the way that we understand it, and they won't marry. You won't know who you were married to there. It certainly would not matter at all. Even if you were aware of it, and you won't be, even if you were, it would be so negligent, so negligible compared to where you are and what you're a part of. And I say that to say this, now's the time when believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, taking his word, walking in the spirit, walking in the light, receiving the revelations of God's truth, having his death, burial, and resurrection life flow through you, expressing outwardly agape love. You have to understand something that God has produced this out of enemies. We're his enemies. <laughs> like we were the enemies of God. Rebelled from his will, rebelled from his purpose. He's freed from all responsibility. And yet in that he predestined to have mercy upon some and to bring them into first a right standing in relationship with him through the death of his son. That's what had to, that was the payment ransom. You know, you go buy something, 
you go buy something and it's like, how much you want? Oh, I don't know, 50 bucks. Okay. You go in there. Oh, how much you want? Oh, a hundred bucks. Okay. How much? Like you buy something, you pay the price based upon the requirements or the worth of the thing that you're buying. How much do you need to get out of that, sir? Oh, I need to get this much out of it. Okay. Okay. So think about that in context to the cross. The required price that God demanded, the ransom that had to be paid for a treasonous, rebellious, fallen creature who was his enemy, cut off completely from his life. The price was the death, the death of himself. There's nothing that we, we couldn't be fixed. This is important and I'm not going to chase this far, but I want to say it. Your understanding of the depth of the fall will highly, greatly affect your respect for the price that Christ paid. The more you understand the depth of the condition of Adam's rebellion, the more you will understand and have respect for and love for the price that Christ paid on the cross. Because those two things go hand in hand. If there was another way to bring man back, if there was another way to restore man into some relationship with God, if there was another way that God could say, okay, this is, this is, this is acceptable to me. Okay. I can, I can live with that. Then he would have done it that way. He would have done it that way, but there wasn't the only acceptable way. The only tolerable way, the only payment acceptable to the God, to the father God was the death of his son, Jesus as a substitutionary sacrifice to, to buy back, to bring back that, which was fallen, ruined, lost. By all other standards, except for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, by all other metrics and standards, we were irredeemable, formless, void, cut off from the only source of life. I want you to picture something that is needs is like we can take and cut a rose in our garden to cut off from life. It's going to immediately die. You, you know, when we're born, we're cut off. It takes 80 years for us to die. You think of anything like that, it's cut off. Think of the sun shining in the sky and then a huge cloud goes by and just stops there. It cuts off the light. So the, that we, in those analogies, we used the earth as a source. We used uh, human beings as a source, bios life, and we used the rays from the sun as the source. And all of them in those analogies were cut off. I want you to picture the true and only source of life, Zoe life, the father God. On the day that you eat, you shall surely be cut off from me. You'll be dead. You'll die 
On the day that you eat, you shall surely die. Cut off. The word means separate. You'll be separated from me. Adam knew that when he ate, he would be separate from him. That's why he ate. He ate and chose the path of self-reliance. So it isn't just like he tripped and made a mistake. It was a deliberate, eyes wide open decision that he made. It was influenced by a couple of things, but it was a decision that he made nonetheless. A big part of it was when he saw that she had eaten and nothing had happened. But still. So when we factor these things in, you have to factor in the importance in the relationship of God buying us back. But that redemption that we have, it wasn't just to redeem us. It wasn't just so that we could be, you know, on the earth, God's up in heaven. Every now and again, he comes down, has a little chat with us. How are things going? You know, all right, you got, oh, I see you guys are working on that. That's cool. You know, and then goes back. No, we were brought into that relationship. We were brought into that eternal Trinity. We're in Christ in that covenant, the covenant that the father God made with his son, Jesus Christ an eternal, everlasting, unbreakable covenant. Okay? The old covenant was made between the Father God and the children of Israel based upon a covenant between the Father God and the children of Abraham. The new covenant is the covenant between God the Father and God the Son. It's unbreakable. It's eternal. It's an everlasting covenant. And then Jesus died to make that covenant inactive because it's not active until the, till the testator died. Until he dies, till the one in the will dies, that's when the covenant becomes enacted. That's when the covenant becomes real and the covenant becomes in, in effect. Then he's raised from the dead <laughs> to distribute his own covenant. That's amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, so in all of this we're doing, we have to remember that it's the holy, the holy life is where we're going. So when we talk about the kingdom, Jesus was not talking, telling people how they could get saved and come to heaven. He was telling people how they could walk in unity with the kingdom. That's why when you go through the parables, they're kingdom parables. They're parables that explain him, explain his kingdom, and explain the ins and outs and interactions of individuals and how they related, to, how they will relate to that kingdom based upon natural parables based upon natural parables. So for example, the sower sows the word. Some sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. So the birds came immediately and ate it. This is not when, when this is not salvation. This is not salvation because you can't bear 30, 60, a hundred fold salvation. This is so the, the word that's sown amongst the Christian, right? The sower sows the word. Some seed falls by the wayside. Birds come and eat it. Some seed falls in the stony ground, right? Immediately it grows. You know it's not a, you know it's not a salvation message because he says that it's own and the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, and the lust of other things grow up and choke the word. Well, <laughs> they don't grow up in a non-believer. They're, that's the realm of their existence. That's the realm of their existence, right? And some seed falls on in the good soil and it bears fruit. Some 30, some 60, some a hundred fold. That's hundred fold, 30, 60, hundred fold fruit of the kingdom. That means 
the application of the kingdom, that individual through the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting in the victory that Jesus won for them has entered into an increasing depth. And by that entering into that increasing depth by God's ability and God's power, God's grace and God's gifts, he starts to bear fruit for the kingdom. He bears fruit for the kingdom. And as we've taught before, that fruit takes on many kinds. It comes in many different ways. But that's what it means. So when we're talking about the overcoming life, we're talking about bearing fruit for the kingdom. We're talking about living your life free from the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, and the lust of other things. We're talking about being free from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We're talking about being free from the things of darkness, the hidden traps and booby traps of this life. We're talking about being free from your own efforts and your own abilities and thinking that you can contribute in some way to this journey. As we prepare for, well, there'll be many more on this. We'll get into it. I want to read something here. This was um, uh, this was written a long time ago uh, by Charles Finney, and this is in a book. Uh, oh my goodness, Power from on High. I had this book handed to me. I was a very very young believer, and I will guarantee you that I did not understand it at that time. It was probably ten years later when I read it again, when God began to deal with me in some of these areas that I really understood what he said. But I want to read one little part that he says here. Uh, and he uses the example of actually it was Jonathan Edwards, who had early on, he had heard Edwards speak about this. Finney had, and he was talking about the resolutions that he would, uh, whenever um, Jonathan Edwards had, you know, found himself uh, in, fallen into some sin that he would, you know, trace it back to its source, try to find out what was the cause of the trigger of that. And he'd fight and pray against it and uses with all of his will until he has subdued it. And I like what Finney says. He goes, this will be, because that's the condition of most Christians, most conditions, most Christians fight against sin. And what happens when you fight against sin is you immediately admit at that moment, at the very beginning of the battle, you admit that you have to win something. You have to admit that it isn't defeated. And it isn't, it isn't until you realize that outward acts of sin will do nothing, will accomplish nothing anyway. But until you realize that you are not to re-engage in a battle that's already won because Jesus has already won that battle. Sin is defeated. The fight of faith is for you to realize and recognize that sin has already been defeated. The, 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 that's the overcoming Christian life. Every overcoming, every Christian who lives the higher Christian life knows they'll tell you at the very beginning in the first sentence, they're going to say they started with sin's defeat. They accept the fact that Jesus came and he fought sin. He didn't just live a, he didn't just live a sinless life. He defeated the power of sin. That was a battle. He came into this world that was dominated by the law of sin and death that had been released when Adam, when Lucifer fell and had gained access to the human race when Adam fell. That's the realm he came to. And he came to this realm as your substitute. And his substitution for you did not begin when he went to the cross. 
The substitution for you began when he was born in a manger. His substitution for you began when he was born of a supernatural birth of the Virgin Mary. His substitution began when it was a promise given on to Abraham that he would have descendants like the stars of the sky. His substitution began when he predestined before the foundations of the world that you would be pre that you would be conformed to the image of his son. And we look at that progression as it walks out in time. And we think that it's because we're in our position in our time and we still have the mind, will and emotions of Adam and they are hiding in the bushes in shame. And they will tell you that there's something you have to do, that you must contribute, that you play a role, that God expects you to play a role, that God expects you to contribute, that there's no way he would just give it to you for nothing. And he did. And he did. I guess I'll read what Finney said here. He says, uh, that idea of resolving not to do it, breaking it down, finding its source, going back to the beginning of it, and then trying to defeat it, fight against it with all of your might. He says, this will be perceived. This will be perceived is uh, direct. This perception, uh, or sorry, it will be perceived is directing the attention to the overt act of sin, its source or occasions. Resolving and fighting against it fastens the attention on the sin and its source, and it diverts it entirely, that's your attention, from Christ. All such efforts are worse than useless, and that's absolutely true, because sin is not external, sin is internal. Sin comes out of the heart, it comes out of us. And it comes out of us because it's the mind, will, and emotions. When Paul talks in Romans 7, he says, I see a different law in my flesh. There's another verse that talks about, I should have these verses, and I will, uh, that where it talks about that the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh lusts against the spirit. That's talking about the spirit of God in you and the Adam in your mind, will, and emotions. You still have that mind, will, and emotions of Adam. And he, that mind, will, and emotion of Adam will never yield to the will of God. It will always resist. And it's interesting that Christians unknowingly are using their mind, will, and emotions in trying to defeat their mind, will, and emotions. They're just not aware of it. The most useless thing on this planet to overcome sin is your will, is your own power. That's why the substitutionary life of Jesus was required, was necessary, and was the only thing that could. I want to thank you for joining me on His Life Life. We're going to continue here next time as we move into this particular aspect of the kingdom of God and our walking in unity and victory in it. Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.